We're in a, in, a, in a preaching series called Mind Games, and uh, we want y'all to win the battle in your minds. How many of you know sometimes the greatest war we face and we're engaged in is not some war in a foreign country, but it's actually the war that's going on in here to just remain sane. <laughs> just keep our heads on our shoulders and not, you know, sometimes throw in the towel or just kind of like, you know, go off the rails uh, or, 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 you know, flip and, and lose it entirely and, you know, maybe kill somebody close to. Um, we do face a battle in, every, every wife said amen. Um, we do face a battle in our minds that, uh, that are a real uh, 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 thing to deal with. You know, it's, 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 not, it's not something that, oh, yeah, yeah, I have a battle in my mind. No, that is the battle. That is where we win or lose. That is what determines whether we are able to uh, hear the Lord and whether we're able to uh, be led by the Holy Spirit. It's everything is so important for our minds to remain sound. Um, first, Second Timothy 1, 7 says this, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. And, 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 and we read those three things, power, love, sound mind, but what we forget is that he equates it to a spirit. It's not a spirit of fear, but it's a spirit of love and a spirit of power and a spirit of a sound mind. We have each been given such a spirit. In Christ, when you were born again, that is the type, the nature of the Spirit that God reborn in you is that you are capable and able to walk in power, to walk in love, and to walk with a sound mind, not just when it's going well, but anytime, all the time. We have been given that ability, and we're going to look at that today because sometimes I think we think that we still have to develop that ability. And we're going to delve into that a little bit. But you cannot have a free life if you're in a state of having a bound mind. When Jesus said, you will know the truth and it will set you free, he talks about this. It talks about having an experiential knowledge of the truth. It didn't just say, okay, I can quote a verse. I can quote a scripture. No, it's actually that scripture have become alive in my life. I've seen the reality of that scripture. And now my knowledge of what the reality of that scripture has given me keeps me free. It's not just a head knowledge. It's an understanding. It's a deep conviction that this is truth. And because it is truth, whatever else I see, even though it is real, but by you know extension is not truth and i get to make a decision whether i will align my mind my will and my emotions with with the truth or with my other experience of other information so-called realities that i think that i face around me and so we have to free get free and become free in our minds before the true freedom of God will manifest in our lives. Just because um, Jesus bought freedom for us doesn't mean that we're going to experience it. There are a couple of steps in between that that is required. That helps us to access it. It's available, but it has to be accessed. And so many times we walk around not accessing it because we believe lies. In the first part, we spoke about what it looks like just to, um, to break these strongholds in our lives, which are basically agreements of, uh, to lies, things that, that tell us different from what the Scripture declares over us. Um, 
And how do we go about breaking these strongholds and, 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 and uh, uh, making sure that we are um, aligning with the truth? And, and we spoke about um, ways in which we can resist these lies that come to try and captivate our minds so that it steals from us everything that God had intended for us to experience in life, this life, not the next life only, but this life also. And in, in last week, we spoke about how to focus on the goodness of God and starting with rooting out any form and all forms of cynicism in our lives and then retraining our minds to, to praise, to trust, and to, uh, to rest. And if you are intrigued by any of that, go listen to those messages because there are keys in this mind game series that will help you win the battle that's going on in your mind and keep your mind aligned from uh, aligned to truth and free from lies that, that will literally steal from you. Today we're going to establish the power of peace in our soul well-being. As we'll see, peace is not just an emotion. Peace is actually pretty amazing. It's connected to the concept of having a sound mind. How many of you know if you're highly emotional, you're very low in your clarity? When you're highly emotional, sometimes you don't make good decisions. Uh, you, can, you get snappy. You, 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 you see negative things in, through a magnifying glass, and you see positive things through turning the binocular or the thing the other way around. Have, have you all turned the binocular the other way around, looked at it the wrong way, and then everything just seems so far away? And what in reality could be actually pretty close because of our state of mind, it feels to us that it's so far out of reach, I can never get there. God wants to help us get the right perspective and fix our minds and, and bring peace back into our lives because peace literally protects us from looking through the wrong way through the binoculars it protects us from uh, having a magnifying glass over the wrong things in our lives so i want to talk to us a little bit about just the concept of salvation and and how that how that works um so i'm gonna i'm gonna bring distinction um, in how salvation plays out. But I want you all to know that salvation is, like the Bible says, something that is obtained by faith, not through our works, not through our effort in trying to uphold the law or to try and please God. Salvation truly is achieved through our faith in Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross. Um, but in, in order to try and explain some of the realities that was brought to us through salvation, through our salvation, I want to break it up a little to, to help explain some things, especially when it comes to our mind and the games that we have to be involved in and the war that we have to win. Every human being is called what we call a tripart being, a tripart being. We are created spirit, soul, and body. You have a spirit and you are inside a body, and the combination makes you a living soul, says Genesis. So spirit, soul, and body. We are created as spiritual beings because God is a spirit. In John 4, we see him saying, time will come when those who worship me will worship me in spirit and in truth, meaning that the only true connection you can have is to actually worship God in spirit. It's one of those real awkward moments right now. Y'all all going to know what I'm doing, but I'm just going to do it and make a joke about it because otherwise some people might wonder, why is the guy's fly low? All right, thanks, babe. 
Praise God for a loving wife that can call out the truth. We all need those with <laughs> who will help us in our blind spots, right? Okay. We are tripart beings. We are created spirit, soul, body. We are created spirit because God is a spirit. And for us to be able to be in a relationship with him, like has to connect with like. Kind has to connect with kind. And so we cannot have a relationship with God if we are not spirit. That's why animals don't have a relationship with God. Because even the Bible says some animals were created with a soul capacity. Like for instance, dogs can actually truly love and care. Why? Because they were created as higher animals with the capacity to have emotions, right? Um, and, and we see that and we know that. And, we, and yet the distinction lies in uh, uh, not the soul realm and the capacity to experience emotion, but actually the capacity to connect and know a spiritual being that is God. And that is why we are spiritual beings that are residing in physical bodies here on earth. Um, and, <coughs> and because of our heritage in Adam, we are all born physically with the capacity to experience all the emotions, have our mind, our will, and our emotions intact, yet our spirit man not being alive. Because when Adam sinned, what died was not his physical being, not his capacity or ability to experience life and emotions and love, etc., but his spirit, his spirit died. And so um, <laughs> at the point of faith in Jesus Christ, what gets, what gets alive, what becomes alive again is our spiritual being becomes alive in Christ. And, and that's why it's sometimes feel like, whoa, 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 whoa. God said he would die if he didn't obey, if he ate of the wrong, you know, of, of that fruit, of that tree. And yet we see him alive and well, well, not, maybe not well, but actually alive. What, what, what then happened? Well, what actually happened was his, his spirit died. And so because his spirit died, his connection with God got severed. All right? And in Adam, every other human being uh, recre procreated, recreated after that was born in the same condition, having a, a, a dead spirit that is not able to connect with God and having separation from God. That is the main issue that Jesus came to fix. That's why I said we have been reconciled with, with God through Christ. We have been brought together again because he made us spiritually able to connect back with God. And so... Um, Therefore, we become alive in Christ, but we still live in this world. We still live within time and space, and we still live with the effects of this world. And last week, we spoke about why we as Christians have no issue with the problem of evil, the fact that there is evil in this world. For many people, that becomes a, um, a tripping factor that, that, help, that causes them to not want to believe in, in, in the goodness of God or even just believe in God in the first place. But we understand it from the perspective that this world has three things that, you know, that is not, that is not God influencing it, but it is literally other forces, other uh, uh, factors that make this world go around, unfortunately make it go around skew and awkward. There is an, an actual spiritual adversary that 
tries to, as much as possible, do bad things to us so that we will reject the truth of God. Second, this world is broken. There are things like sicknesses, not because God wants it, but because it's broken. And third, people make mistakes because we're not perfect. And sometimes bad things happen to good people because somebody just made an honest mistake, but it resulted in me losing a leg or something like that. And, and, and nothing of that is God's will and desire for your life. It is just us living in this reality. And what God helps us to do is overcome whatever this world throws at us. And the amazing thing about God's sovereignty is that He's able to still uh, determine the end outcome in the midst of all these moving factors, all these things that go against what He desired for this world. And so it doesn't take away from His sovereignty. In fact, it actually elevates His sovereignty because def- despite the fact that there are 7 billion wills that are not necessarily fully aligned, that aren't fully aligned to His will, He can still determine the final outcome of how everything will change. But you and I get to play a very important role in that. And you and I get to determine on which side of that line we are going to be. And our faith determines whether we are sided with Christ or not sided with Christ. And that's why it's so important. But our salvation, therefore, is also played out in those three realms. Spiritual and our, our soul realm and our physical body. And, and so um, it's not that, okay... I still have to do anything extra for these other parts of my life to get saved. I am saved. When I believe in Jesus Christ, I have an absolute certainty that I will be with Him in eternity. Um, But here on earth, there is an outplay of that over space and time. Okay, And and that's why I want to bring kind of distinction to that because this three-part process will help us understand the battles that we now face, why that is there, and then give us the the know-how to respond to it without losing our standing in our understanding of I am saved and without losing the truth that God uh, declares over us despite the fact that it's different from what I'm experiencing in this world. Okay, so that's kind of where we're going. Um, So here's here's something I want to read to you. Our soul and our bodies... Our, our spirit man gets saved, right? Spiritually, we are rebirthed and we are um, declared by Scripture as being completely holy spiritually. So there's nothing you can do more to make you more holy. Your spirit has been declared blameless in the sight of God in Christ. Yet our souls and our bodies are still subject to the imperfections of this world. And in a sense, we can say we are also therefore saved progressively, right? Um, or by allowing the Holy Spirit to lead us into the perspectives and the ways of God. While we wait our eventual salvation, even our physical bodies will eventually be transformed and saved. So those are two important words, the perspectives and the ways of God. The more we allow the perspectives of God to influence our mind and the ways of God to lead our lifestyles, the more we will see the outplay of the spiritual salvation into every part of our lives. Just because I'm spiritually born again and saved doesn't mean that everything else in my life is automatically just going to be perfect and this life is going to be eventless. It's going to be just one smooth coasting until the end. No, 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 no. There's a lot that needs to be outplayed because we are faced by adversary and resistance to experience the truth of our salvation. Why? Because the devil will do everything in his power to convince you that 
God isn't true, that the Bible isn't true, that what has happened to you isn't true, and the smallest little seed of doubt that he can sow in your life can eventually cause you to walk away from God. The smallest little doubt he sows can cause you to walk away from fellowship. And that's how he operates. He tries by hook or by crook to get you to disbelieve God and to distrust God. Because the more that seed of distrust can grow, the higher the likelihood of you eventually just getting destroyed. Your life getting destroyed. But God, the Bible says God, loves, God delights in the prosperity of his people. Let me, let me tell you this. The devil delights in the destruction of God's people. And so he will try his very best to get you to change your mind about your stance and your, your, your opinion about what God's word says. And so in this life, we will experience this, you know, this, this, almost this contradictory existence of, yes, I have been saved and I am set free and I am fully, you know, in, in, in line legally to receive everything that the Bible says, yet because of this world's resistance to the will of God, there's going to be some issues and there's going to be some challenges, okay? So... Let me read you some scriptures about this. We are spiritually justified. In other words, just if I had never sinned when we give our lives to Jesus, and and by that I mean when we commit to believing in what he had done, that that provides us um, access to eternal life, our faith. It gives us a legal right to become a child of God with access to eternal kingdom benefits now. That's a big thing. We get access to heaven's benefits now. And that's something that we don't always realize. We always think, okay, in the great by and by, everything will be okay. No, God actually allows us to experience some of that now. But it happens through us coming in alignment with his perspectives and his ways. John 1, 12 and 13 says this, But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God who were born not of blood, nor the will of flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. So by faith, you were born again, and your spirit, man, became alive again, and now you legally have the right to call yourself a child of God. You are no longer in the kingdom of darkness. He has ripped you out of the the claws of the kingdom of darkness, and he has instated you as a child in his own kingdom. And he gives you the right to call yourself a child of God. Let me tell you how that practically works. Don't ever call yourself a sinner again. Do I sin? Yes. But does my son do wrong and things and disobey me? Yes. Does it not make him my son when he does that? Absolutely not. You have become a child of God. You are no longer a sinner. Sinners are separated from God. Children are reunited with their father. doesn't mean that they're going to be perfect in all of their activities. But you're still a child of God. Never call yourself, oh, I'm just a, oh, we're all sinners. We used to all be sinners, but now we're the children of God. We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And it helps you to start thinking of yourself as righteous. Why? Because sinners sin. Righteous people obey. That's the natural response. Now, they might things go, go wrong. I might not. You know, sinners try to do good. They do. But they're still separated from God. It helps nothing. Children do good most of the time. Now and then they mess up. It doesn't change their status at all. They remain children. Um, 
Listen to what it says about us experiencing the benefits. He says, truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing. Whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing. What works have Jesus been doing? My goodness. Just think of that. Just think of that promise that Jesus is saying here. This is us experiencing some things that are not natural to this world, but experiencing it now. He says we will do these things. And, and, and the works I've been doing, for they will even do greater things than these. Now, if you haven't dealt with cynicism in your life, like we said last week, it's time to get that done. Because this verse is going to be very difficult for you to even consider if you're still cyni- cynical. Let me tell you, cynicism will steal the experience of the goodness of God out of your life. And it causes you to never be able to trust God. And if you can't trust God, you don't have faith. And if you don't have faith, you have, don't have anything. Get rid of cynicism. Cynicism is a false protector. It cannot protect you. You think, no, 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 I'm going to be expecting the worst but hoping for the best. No, no, it doesn't work that way. Faith requires you to expect the goodness of God to manifest before it'll, it'll manifest. And so it's a lie that you can be protected by being cynical about something. You cannot. You can only be protected if you act in faith and obedience towards God's direction. God will never lead you to something that's going to hurt you. Never. So it's actually living by faith that protects you. Living by faith that keeps you safe, even if it leads you into risk. Don't die. (laughs) All right. Greater things than these, because I'm going to the Father, and then he says, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. That the Father may be glorified in the Son. Now let me tell you this, I've I've asked peace, I've asked God stuff that hasn't happened plenty of times. But I'm never going to allow my experience to replace the truth. I'm going to stick to this. And keep trusting that there might just be something that I need to twitch or there might be something that I need to realize still or there might be something that I need to learn. But I'm never going to lo- look for the mistake and the fault in God. I'm always going to look for the deficiency in me. And I'm going to continue on that, on, that, on, the, on that path until whatever I've seen either breaks through or I realize and understand why it shouldn't have. Sometimes in my human perspective, I ask for things and God in his all, all, you know, omniscience know that no, 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 that shouldn't happen. How many of you have looked back and gone, went like, oh, thank God he didn't answer that prayer. All right. We've had that, right? But we also look back and say, wow, God, that was a good prayer, man. How come that thing ever happened yet? It could have done this, 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 and then we can name it all up, right? <laughs> They're there. Don't let them stop you from asking. Because the problem does not lie with God. The, the, the issue is, 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 is with us. We need to grow into understanding more and hearing better and, and perceiving better what the will of God is in a situation. Every time a prayer that of yours wasn't answered, you have, to, you have to follow what the truth says. Okay, I probably asked something that was not in line with God's will for the minute, for the moment. Because that's what he says is, uh, you, you, don't, you don't get because you don't ask. When you ask, you ask for your own selfish reasons. Uh, but if we ask according to his will, the Bible says he grants us whatever we've asked. So that's how we reason. It's like, okay, let me look for it. Why isn't this yet for now? 
What should still happen here? And that leads along to a, discoveries, uh, a discovery you know, path. But if you go, oh, God's just, God doesn't love me, or God doesn't like me, or God's mad at me, then that shuts down discovery. That doesn't cause you to inquire more, to seek more. That causes you to draw back and, and, ask, and, and, draw, you know, and, and, and back out. And you can learn nothing more after you've backed out. <laughs> but you can learn a bunch more if you keep asking, Lord, teach me, teach me. Okay? So we can experience these benefits here because God wants to answer our prayers. Second thing, soul sanctification. So first it's like we're spiritually justified. And, and, and then the Bible says that um, our soul needs to be sanctified. James 1.22 says, Therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word. What is an implanted word? It's a word that was given to you that you received. You said, all right, I'm going to agree with that. I'm going to let that fall into the seedbed of my heart and I'm going to let that, let that grow. I'm not going to disagree with that word. I'm rather going to let that word disagree with me. And I'm, la- I'm not going to change that word or discard it. I'm rather going to let that word change me. That's what an implanted word is. Receive with meekness. What's meekness? Meekness is hum- it's, it's humble power. It's knowing that you can probably do the opposite, but deciding to rather not do it. You're staying in control of your will, your power. And in this context, you're you're, you're disciplining your willpower to want to reject that word. Because every word that confronts is is uncomfortable. It just is. No one is exempt from that. No matter how spiritually mature someone gets, if God shares a word with them that confronts, it's uncomfortable. But we all need to, with meekness, receive this implanted word, which is able to save your soul. It's able to save your soul. Be doers of the word, not hearers only, or you're going on to deceive yourself. So the thing here is that James is writing to Christians here. All right? He's writing to that church. He's not writing to unbelievers. So he's telling the Christians, those who are already born again, or like us, that by coming into agreement with God's perspectives and ways, the reality of their, manifest, of their salvation will start manifesting in their souls. And, and, and like I said, the soul is actually made up of our mind, our will, and our emotions. So the more we come into agreement with God's truth about our lives, the more our mind, our thinking, our will, whatever we desire and want to do, maybe go say temptation or no temptation, our will, what we want to, my want to, and my emotions all start stepping into reality, stepping oh, sorry, into alignment with God's um, uh, salvation that, uh, that He has brought forth. And now the word salvation in the Bible means well-being. It means that you are now well. You are no longer at odds with God. You are in well-being with God. You've been reconciled with God. And that well-being is promised to us, spirit, soul, and body. It's not just a, okay, you're saved, but you know, you're going to be wretched for the rest of your life. No, it's actually meaning that you will be saved, but you can also live in health. And you can also have emotional well-being. You can have full control of your mind. And you can live in a sound mind powerfully and compassionately toward the world. That is the promise of our salvation. And if you are short of that, you have to continue to contend for the full package because the full package is paid for. 
It's like, it's like somebody buying you a gift and you only use a third of the gift. Oh, I'll go to heaven, but I'm going to be miserable and I'm going to be, I'm going to be like suffering all the way to it. No, the package was meant to bring you complete wellness, spirit, soul, and body here, now. And that's what we keep contending for. What's the perfect will of God? That you get healed when you get sick? No, the perfect will of God is that you never get sick. Health. Do I think that's going to happen this side of the grave complete, like 100%? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't think so. Uh, certainly in my life it hasn't, right? But mm, is it possible? I actually think it's possible. And because it's possible, I live with an expectation that I'm not going to get sick. And so when somebody comes in front of me, and I was laughing inside my heart right now when my wife said, <laughs> if you're sick, lift up your hand. Like, Ain't nobody going to lift up their hands. Because <laughs> these days it's a sin if you're sick and you show up in society, right? Somebody tells me they're sick, I go, hey, let me pray for you. I don't go like, yeah, so what, what kind do you have? <laughs> Come on now, let's just be real. No, I have an expectation that I'm not going to get sick. When I get sick, and I got sick just a while ago, y'all remember, I came in like a celebrity, you know. Just, just boom, zoomed in after worship, preached and left. I don't change my perspective though. I don't change my expectation though. I, I keep my expectation that this is going to be my reality. The kingdom of God is ruling and reigning over my life. And when the, kingdoms, when the kingdom of God rules over me, the will of heaven manifests in me. And so I'm going to stay healthy and I'm going to stay strong. And I'm going to live a long life. All right, soul sanctification. Our thinking, our mind, our will, our emotions. And today, we're focusing more on the emotions, but this applies to uh, the mind and the emotions, but this also applies to my want to. It also applies to temptation. It's like if I understand who I am, then temptation comes, it offers to me this enticing thing. Hey, this is going to please you. This is going to make you feel great. And then I just go, oh no, I'm satisfied already, thank you, by serving my God, this cannot one-up the experience that I have with God. I am not going to say thank you to that or, or say yes to that. I'm going to say yes to Jesus and yes to obedience. Uh, that's the only way you will ever win temptation. You cannot win by forever trying to say no to temptation. Hear me out, people. You cannot win that battle. It is impossible. You can only win if you start saying yes to God. And if you start chasing obedience, and if you start chasing the, the greater things that He wants for us, then your whole mindset shifts away from trying to manage your sin to running away from sin so fast it doesn't even have time to tempt you. But it's when we start sitting down, like they say, you know, what, what, what do they say? Um, uh, idleness, right? Is the, is the what? Idleness is what? Say that again, the what? Yeah, didn't, uh, did we say that too? Uh, idleness is the devil's. No, I know we say it in Afrikaans. An idle mind. Sorry, that's what I was saying. An idle mind is the devil's playground. Why? Because now you get all sorts of weird ideas, right? And because you're not pursuing something, all of a sudden this option becomes like, hmm, that looks intriguing. 
let me see a little more. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna peek. Let me just see if there is in fact a temptation there. And so you step into the darkness. <laughs> All right. We're not going to have idle minds. We're going to pursue. But this is how it works in our minds, right? And this is the battle that we're constantly contending. Um, but hear this, what, what the Bible here says um, in... Um, did I put that one there? Okay, um, okay. let me say this first. I, I, I switch an order around here. So James is saying, let your mind, your will, and your emotions accept the perspectives and the ways of God, and then the reality of your spiritual justification will start manifesting in your mind, your will, and your emotions. It will start coming in alignment with God's um, experience, with God's reality. You are saved. You've been saved. You've been set free. These things no longer will control you, and they no longer dictate your experience here on earth. And then the third part of our salvation that's going to happen over time is our body's transformation. Um, And I'll just read one scripture with this. Philippians 3 verse 20 says, but our citizenship is in heaven and from it we await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. So one day we will have uh, glorified bodies. Our bodies will be transformed and in that sense become eternal being, eternal bodies, immortal bodies, whereas this what we're experiencing right now hasn't fully experienced the salvation of God yet. Y'all understand how some of these things happen in, t- in our time and space and some of it is going to happen at the end. But here's the trouble. When we look at our lives, we see brokenness and deficiency. And then we see our shortcomings and it condemns us, our failures shames us, and our brokenness scares us because we feel the weight of, of trying to carry it all and sometimes it just, it just wants to crush us. And then that causes us to, to tend to see sanctification as an objective that we still have to accomplish. Yes, I know I'm saved, Lord, but I still have to learn and work hard at this thing of trying to obey you and become like you. I still have to put all the effort in to make that happen. That's something I have to still obtain. I have to still reach. And then that actually leaves us in a very scary, deep, hopeless place because you and I are intrinsically convinced of the fact we know this, we cannot do it. We're unable to do that and that scares us. And it makes us feel sometimes hopeless. It makes us sometimes feel, ah, you know, what's the use anyways? Cynical. I cannot change this about me. I cannot overcome this fear. I cannot win this battle. I cannot recover from this relational breakdown. I cannot heal from this hurt because I cannot fix this. We've tried, we failed, and it just makes us more hurt just causes us greater anxiety, more depressedness. It makes our soul sick. It creates an unwellness in our soul. But listen to what Hebrews 10 verse 9 says. And this is the key. Behold, he says, I have come to do your will. This is speaking about the Savior. 
He does away with the first in order to establish the second, speaking about the agreement that God had with mankind. And by that will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Not justified, y'all, sanctified. Romans 14 verse 17 says this, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. It says, For whoever serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and approved by men. So let me say this. A Christian is therefore able to live in righteousness, peace, and joy. doesn't matter what the circumstances around us is doing. You are able to do it. Because you've been included as a son and as a daughter in the kingdom of God. Why don't we do it? Because sometimes we think it's still up to us to, 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 to save our souls. It's up to us to, 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 to make our souls become healthy. Here's what the Bible says. You are justified by grace. But you're also sanctified by grace. Your mind, your will, and your emotions are also already saved by the blood of Jesus. It's already changed. You've been given a new identity. You've been given a new nature. And that nature is able to obey God, experience God, hear God, and follow God. I said obey God, right? That nature is able to overcome fear Overcome anxiousness, overcome depressedness. It's able to experience the joy and the peace of the Lord. It's already able. It's not something that you still have to attain to. No, you've been sanctified by grace just as you've been justified by grace. How were you justified? By faith. How will you be sanctified? By faith. By believing. So as I adopt this as my belief, the life of Freedom, the life of the new life will start manifesting in my soul realm. It's, 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 it's something that I have to stop trying to achieve myself. It's something that I have to start believe has been achieved on my behalf. And as I adopt that, right believing leads to right living. Right believing leads to experiencing the promises of God, the breakthroughs of God, the freedom of God. But if your mind is still bound, you're never going to get it. You've already been sanctified by the blood. You have to come into agreement. We have to catch up with our new identity, y'all. We have to realize we have become new. Everything has become new about you. Your mind has become new. Your will has become new. Your emotions has become new. But as long as you still believe that your mind is old, believe that your will is against God, believe that your emotions is messed up, that belief will guide you for the rest of your existence here on earth. You have to fundamentally shift belief. You don't change your life by changing your activities. You change your life by changing what you believe about yourself. 
And so do I experience my emotions being, being, being like hard and, 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 and sometimes traumatic? No doubt. No doubt. Am I going to believe that I am still broken? No, I'm not going to believe that. I'm going to believe that I have been made whole. I've been made whole. And therefore, I can expect healing. You see, if I tell you, look, you are broken, then you have to manage your brokenness for the rest of your life. But if I tell you you've been made whole, there's hope. I can work through this. I can overcome this. Healing can manifest in my life because healing is the will of God. It's the will of the kingdom. And he's, been, he's promised that I can have that now. We have to understand the completeness of the work of Christ on the cross. There is no job that's left undone. There may be some job that is in time going to complete. But it's not undone. It's not something I have to yet achieve. It is something that has been achieved on my behalf. I can start walking into it, expecting it, asking for it, hoping for it, and contending for it. Now listen to this. If you discover the good word, this implanted word, that, that, and the complete work that God has done, then you will look into the word of God. The Bible says the word is a mirror, right? James says, people read the words like looking into a mirror, and then they see who they are, but then they turn around, walk away, and they forget immediately the kind of person that they saw in the mirror. So this leads me to understand that what they saw in the mirror was actually different from what they're confronted with in internally. Because when they forget what they saw, it's because they Start focusing on what they experience. But the word of God trying to tell you who you really are. It's the perfect reflection. It's not a reflection that, hey, this is who you can be. No, there's no. <laughs> it's like telling you, yes, you can be saved. But you just have to do X, Y, and Z. That's not how Christianity works. Because fundamentally we all know we are so flawed, but we'll never be able to do that. That's the old covenant telling us you have to obey this perfectly for you to be reconciled with God. Jesus said, he put aside the old to introduce the new. What is the new? Y'all come unto me. All who labor and who are weary, and I will give you rest. What am I giving you rest of? Trying to achieve the outcome that he had already achieved for us. That's where the rest lies in Christianity. That's why I can retrain my brain to praise him. Because why? He has done it all already. To trust. Because why? He's trustworthy. He's truth. To rest. Why? Because he's already done it on my behalf. You know what I often see today? in the, the talk on emotional well-being is a lot of focus on care, care and compassion, which are both great, right? Care and compassion. And so often people, well-meaning people, but misguided people, 
tries to just bring you comfort within the situation that you are in. But basically, in essence, is telling you it's okay to just stay there because this is just how it's going to be. And you just learn how to accept your fate and to not raise your expectations higher than it because the minute you put your expectations lower than it or equal to it, it changes the experience. For me, that's fundamentally an offense to the gospel that has sanctified us by the blood of Jesus Christ. Do I care for you if you're going through a rough time? Ask anybody here who is going through stuff in this, in this realm. If I had ever been demeaning or, or, or ununderstanding or discompassionate to them, and they'll tell you, it's not the case. Care and compassion is part of the, is part of the, 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 the fruit of the Spirit. It's part of our love and care for one another. And, 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 and valuing and honoring one another um, is not something that is just rec- recognized because of a person's uh, ability to you know, be fine and be everything. No, no, no. We value people regardless of the struggle or the issue that they are sitting in. And we see a few, but, but we see a future for them that's fundamentally I- informed by, by Scripture. And to that end, we speak truth about the situation. No matter how big it has become, no matter how unsurmountable it has become, I refuse to let go of my hope that the gospel of Jesus Christ has brought us victory over that. I refuse. We have been given this hope. And this hope, the Bible says, does not disappoint. Is it going to be a rough climb up to the, up to the end? <laughs> it probably is. Will some of us maybe walk this, this upward journey until the day you know, Jesus comes or, or, he, or we go to him? It's possible. I cannot guarantee any of those outcomes and, and timelines and anything, but what I can guarantee you is that the only way for you to walk in victory is for you to align and believe what the Scripture is saying about you and your situation. That's the only way. And that's the only way you will walk here with us because I refuse to believe anything different. I refuse. And if you've lost hope, I want you to say, I'm going to hold on for hope on your behalf. And if you stay and if you walk with us, you'll have people with hope around you until the manifestation is experienced in your life physically and emotionally and, uh, and you know, in, in, your, in your experience world. So I want to I give you a couple of keys that comes from Philippians 4 that I, I, I believe will help with this change of belief uh, process that we have to go through. Um, by the way, the previous uh, sermon has, has other keys that are also just as fundamentally important. Retraining your brain, re- re- repenting of cynicism and retraining your brain to, 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 to trust God, to, uh, to rest. Um, and the other one that I said earlier. Um, and so go listen to that as well. But, but, but here in Philippians 4, we see some amazing things about peace. That, that each of every one of us needs to, to just grasp. Remember, the Bible says that the kingdom of God is not about uh, eating and drinking. In other words, it's not about the things that we need to do in order to try and look religious, 
look like moral good people. It's not about those things. The kingdom of God is about righteousness, peace, and joy. Righteousness is an internal conviction that I'm right with God. But it's more than just I have been reconciled with God and justified. It's also about how he has healed me. He has sanctified me by the blood of Jesus Christ. He has given me a new nature, and that nature is in well-being. I've been given a sound mind. I've been given. And now, if I start understanding that and thinking like that, my right thinking about who I am leads to a different life experience, leads to a different life outliving capacity, because I'm seeing myself fundamentally different. And then peace and joy, righteousness, right thinking about who I've become, peace and joy. So here's what Philippians 4 verse 4 will say this. It says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. When we shift our focus, earlier uh, Esther said, start praying. Start praising God. And sometimes it's difficult for us to do it in moments like that because we've not been taught how to shift our focus long from ourselves and our needs and our, and our, you know, our experience to express what we believe and what we you know, uh, appreciate about God. But that is a, 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 a really good thing to continue to challenge yourself to do is think about God and rejoice, praise Him, and keep it there. Say more praise about him. Don't just say, thank you, Lord, you are a good father. What else can you rejoice over? Not always the things that he has done for us, but who he is. And you'll soon realize how much really you know of him. And then again, that prompts us to go and say, hey, can I learn more about him? Can I understand more about his character, about his nature, about who he is? Let me see. It's if you see his light that you see true light in the world. But so the psalm says, it's in his light that we see light. If you don't have the light of God shining, you don't see straight. End of story. And so shift your focus. Rejoice in him and who he is and um, uh, his character, his nature. Rejoice in what you understand of him. And then go into saying, rejoice in what he has done for you from a spirit of thanksgiving. Retrain your brain to live in thanksgiving to any and everything. Look, every single day we thank God for things. Like when my kids and I, we, we pray, sometimes Gray will say, uh, uh, I don't want to pray today, Dad. And I said to him, hey, Every single day we have something to thank God for. What are you thankful for? And just tell him that. And he'll go, thank you for my mom and my dad and my wife. And my wife. You know, he'll, just, he'll just go. And that's okay. I, I, I don't fuss at him for, for doing that. I want to train a muscle in him. And if it becomes second nature to thank God for, and every now and then I'll go like, hey, it is good to have a mom and a dad, right? Yeah. But I'm training that muscle. Live in thanksgiving. Rejoice and thank God. Never pass up an opportunity to praise God in the midst of your trials and your troubles. Um, I don't want to give away the devo, but I did a devo on, on uh, uh, just when Jesus was, was led up to the cross. Incredible. In the midst of all the, 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 the things that was done to him, he was still trying to reach people with the truth about who he was. 
he was still, <laughs> he was still trying to influence people who would listen, anybody who would listen. He was being whacked and, 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 and everything, tortured. And in the midst of all that suffering, he's still preaching the gospel to people. It's amazing. Don't stop praising God in the times of trial. Someone might say, oh, I don't feel like praising God because it's not going well. Well, so that would really mean that you're only praising God when it's going well with you? Doesn't he deserve praise because of who he is? Does he only deserve praise of what he does for you when he does something? Is that the only time he deserves praise? Or does he deserve praise regardless? The latter is true. And so actually the more authentic praise is when you really praise him when it's not going well with you because now you're not praising him for a benefit, you're praising him for who he is. So don't tell me you don't feel like praising God. That's the best time to praise Him because now your praise is actually completely authentic. Completely based in truth. Praise Him. And here's, here's the key. Lift Him higher than your reality and His voice will become louder than your fears, your hurts, and your anxiety. If your reality is bigger than God, no wonder you can't hear His voice. Lift him higher. Adore him higher. Um, exalt him. Give him priority over what your experiences are. And his voice will become louder, clearer than what you're going through. Second thing is to reflect and declare. Philippians 4, 5. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Now, other translation says, let your gentleness be known to everyone. I actually researched the word. The word is actually more to do with your thinking than it is to do with your compassionate emotion. The original word. I think this is a better translation. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. And what I realize here is, is that reason is, a, is, a, is, a, is a, uh, a function of the mind. Right? It's a function of my intellect. So he's saying, consider, consider the truth of what God did for you on the cross and then let it be known. Let, 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 uh, um, okay, I want to try that again. <laughs> let it be known to everyone. That means you've got to speak about it. Consider what you've believed about what God has said about you and then tell that to people. Declare it for yourself to hear. Declare it for everyone to hear. Let it be known to everyone. Why are you positive when the economy is tanking? Well, are you? I hope you all are. I hope you all realize that the economy is not our source. That God is our source. And no matter what the economy does, we will be cared for because He takes care of us. America doesn't take care of us. So if it goes bad with America... Just get ready to be a blessing to it because God will sustain you so that you can sustain it. Come on, guys. We're not subject to this world's systems. We're not. My life is not connected to this economy. It's connected to God's economy. 
We'll tell you God's economy is steady growth. <laughs> steady growth. So when the petrol price goes up, I go, right, I'm probably going to get a promotion somewhere. Because somewhere I have to be able to pay for all this. I don't start cutting back on, like, you know, switch my aircon off when it's not on the, on the car, when it's, not, when it's not hot. I expect God's going to sustain me. Um, so consider the truth of what God did for you on the cross. Reflect what has happened to me when I became born again, when I put my faith in Jesus. What did I gain from that? I gained entrance into heaven and I gained well-being for my soul. I've been sanctified by the blood of Jesus Christ, by the grace of God. He has given it to me. He's already attained it. I don't have to work for it, but I do have to shift my perspective. I do have to stand up for it. I do have to say, this is my inheritance in the Lord. And then expect it to help me, to guide me, to help me gain victory. This is who I am. I'm a child of God. The favor of the Lord is on my life. I can do all things to Christ who strengthens me. I am loved. I'm treasured. I'm valued. I'm received. God's gift on my life makes room for me. That's how I think about myself. In any situation where I go, I don't need man to recognize me because God's gift will make room for me. He'll make it happen. I align my perspective with him. Philippians 4, 6, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. It's called a redirect. The first one is rejoicing. The second one is reflecting and declaring. And the third one is redirecting. The minute you expect your circumstances to provide for you, you're, you've been You've been directed to the wrong direction. The minute you expect your experience to change or to be get better just because of what you're going to try and attempt to do or, or, or you've been misdirected, you need to redirect. The minute you get anxious, you're actually starting to apply faith for the wrong thing. It's the same thing. It's an expectation. It's a, it's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, a wrongly aimed faith. Redirect. Go to prayer. Prayer and meditation are crucial habits for a child of God. It's because of in these moments of prayer and meditation, we get to release the pressure. All of the weight has come on you in prayer and meditation when you start praying these things to God, you lift, that, you lift that burden off of yourself. You go, Lord, this is not my burden. This is not my job. This is your job. You've done this job. I don't, have to, I don't have to carry this burden to make this happen. I'm stepping into belief that you have done this for me. And I'm going to start declaring your truth over my life. I can offload with God, be real with God, say everything I need to say, get it off my chest, and then I can start reflecting on His goodness. And when I start reflecting on His goodness, man, then the promises of God becomes realities. The promises of God becomes actual options, hopeful expectations of what might happen in my life. 
Verse 8 says, finally, brothers, whatever is true and honorable, just and pure and lovely, commendable, if there's anything excellent or worthy of praise, think about such things. Think about these things. So when I, when I meditate on his truth and his goodness, then I'm retraining my brain in thanksgiving, trust, and rest. And, and here's the thing. Peace doesn't come from praying right. Peace comes from believing right about my situation. It don't come by praying right. Y'all, there's no right prayer to pray. Okay, there's no, like, oh, I need to pray, except for the biblical guidance, pray in the name of Jesus. But, you know, there's no word that I need to say or, you know, specific, uh, you know, uh, loudness or whatever. It's you speaking with God. But the Bible also says that if you don't come with faith, don't expect to receive anything. The double-minded man does not receive anything. Last week, we spoke about removing the double-mindedness. Cynicism makes us double-minded. Remove that. Come with that right believing. And, and know that, that, that faith does not deny reality. It actually runs toward it with power to change it. It doesn't deny it. doesn't ex- try to escape it. It actually runs toward and says, we're going to go through this. With God on my side, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So it's not a denial of fact, but (laughs) just because it's a fact doesn't mean it's true. Facts don't change truth, but truth can change facts. Truth can change facts. And truth truth will change facts in your life. But here's the beauty of peace and the promise of peace. In verse 7, it says, And the peace of God, which surpasses understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The peace of God will guard you. It will protect you. Cynicism cannot protect you. Realism cannot protect you. But peace can protect you. The peace of God... Like it says here in James 14, 17, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give, so don't be troubled or afraid. Which means that peace has to be something that you don't find from this world. Peace is something, it's a gift from God. It's not something that is gained through things aligning right. No, it's something that you can have regardless of whether things are aligned or not. Because it's not, if it's not from this world, it, doesn't get, it, it shouldn't have to be able to get affected by this world. You can live in peace regardless of your struggle, regardless of your circumstance. That peace guards your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. It's not just an emotion. It's a presence. It's a presence of a power of God that enables us to walk above our reality regardless of what we're struggling with. Verse 9 says this, so what you've learned and received and heard in me, practice these things. Right, it's going to take some practice, y'all. It's going to take some trying and some, 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 some maybe failing and, and, and standing up again and trying again. But as long as you keep practicing these things, as long as you keep trying and moving toward this with that hopeful expectation, there is going to be a progressive increase over time and space because some things just happen like that, but it will happen. Because the word of God is true and he is faithful to his word. Y'all see? He's faithful to his word. He will make it come to pass. 
practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Man, again saying that (laughs) it's not just an emotion, it's not just a feeling. No, this is actually the presence of God that comes and stays with us. If you want to live in the presence of God, here are the keys that helps you do that. Here's the reality, though, that none of us can gain this without having a relationship with God. So I want us to stand, and we're going to pray, and I'm going to ask you this question. Have you stepped into a relationship with God at all? If you've never stepped into that place of deciding that I'm going to put my trust in Jesus for my salvation, I want to give you an opportunity today to do that. The Bible says if you call on the name of the Lord, you'll be saved. What does that mean? That means I will declare with my mouth because I believe in my heart that Jesus is the Son of God who was sacrificed on the cross on my behalf. And because God raised Him from the dead, He has the power to make me alive spiritually as well. If you're that person here today that have not made that decision to put your faith in that, to trust in God, not your own efforts, your own goodness, your own religious activities, but your faith in Jesus, and you want to make that declaration today, why don't you just lift your hand? So that's me. I want to put my trust in Jesus. I want to step into that relationship with God because I know that I cannot make it happen on my own. You might be wondering, should I? Should I make this decision? Maybe you're a little reluctant to do it in the the public. I want to tell you it's okay. Jesus wasn't ashamed of you in public. The Bible says he was humiliated publicly, he was put on display. He took a stand for you. I'm inviting you to take a stand for Him. One more time, if that's you, you've never put your faith in Jesus, and today you want to say, I'm going to put my faith in Jesus. Just raise your hand right there where you're at. We're going to pray over you. Holy Spirit's going to revisit that question in your heart because He really loves you and He really wants you to come to that place where you're willing to just lay down your own efforts, lay down your own thinking and accept His truth. I just encourage you when that time comes and you hear Him ask you that question, say yes to Him. It's the most incredible journey that you can go on. For the rest of us, if, if you've been struggling with, with just a lot of things in, your, in the emotional world, if you like, the mind game world, I want to pray over you today, but here's the truth. There's a couple of things that you have to act on. And so we want to invite you to to meet with us, to talk with us, to talk with your life group leader, talk with a trusted friend, 
so that you can start taking this series and just working through the things that you need to lies that you need to break so that you can start living with your mind aligned with God we can't do it all in one moment but I do want to I do want to pray today that God will allow us and help us to really truly align our thinking with his salvation of our souls and that you and I truly, truly, truly have been set free of everything that the devil has taken from us or made us to be bound by. You have been set free by the grace of Jesus Christ. You have to step into that by changing your belief and seeing yourself as free and as an overcomer and take the journey for that to manifest. Because it might be a journey, but with the hope and the faith and the presence of God, you'll be able to do that journey and stay strong and stay full of hope, even when you are weak and when you feel like wanting to give up. The presence of God will protect you and it'll continue to carry you forward toward that objective. So let's pray today with the expectation that this is going to happen for us. This is going to, we're going to make these shifts and changes in our mind. And we're going to see ourselves fundamentally free like he, has, like he has made us. Let's pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, right now I just ask, Holy Spirit, that you just show people lies that they believe. You're going to hear kind of words pop up in your mind or things people have said about you things that you've believed before. You're going to hear objections to what to the message that you heard today. You're going to hear all sorts of what-if statements, but what about this? What if, well what, well, what about statements? Those are exactly the areas that Jesus' truth wants to come and replace. So Father, I pray that as these voices in our mind start telling us that this is wrong or that's not true or this isn't enough, I thank you, God, that you start replacing them with your truth, Holy Spirit. That you start replacing them with your reality, with your, with your guidance, your perspectives. Help us, God, to truly free our minds from the lies and the wrong perceptions we have about ourselves. Thank you that you have made us free. We know you, you say in your word that you've come to make us free and that we should not let ourselves be burdened again by yokes of slavery. So here we are, Lord. We refuse to be burdened by yokes of slavery that tell us that we're still bound. Tell us that... We're not there yet. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.